Whether you're a first-time poultry owner or looking to expand your flock, you can always use some helpful advice. Blaine's Farm and Fleet's got you covered. With great info and products to help raise healthy birds in-store or online at farmandfleet.com forward slash chick days. An industry that feeds the world is definitely an industry worth talking about. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Young. Well, we've got a lot of ground to cover on a Tuesday morning. Of course, the Wisconsin Fair Association's annual convention is underway in Wisconsin Dells. Charity Seebecker and myself got some time in yesterday at the Chula Vista Resort. You're going to hear from some of the special guests that they had there. Also, don't forget, follow along on Fabulous Farm Babe on Facebook. You'll see some great pictures of uh, some of the different acts that county fairs were reviewing yesterday in Wisconsin Dells. That convention continues through Wednesday evening when they'll announce the new fairest of the fairs. And we'll cover it all for you. I'm Pam Yankee, by the way. Thanks so much for checking in. Weather-wise, if you're driving to the Dells, from the Dells, looks like this week at least we've got pretty decent road conditions. For today, more clouds than sun. 35 are expected high. Tomorrow, another cloudy day, 39. Thursday, clouds and 34. Friday, maybe a little more sun, 30 degrees. And then Saturday, partly cloudy and 33 degrees. A typical January week ahead. Also this morning, we are going to be focused in on the holidays. No, no, not our holidays, but instead in China, they're getting ready to celebrate their new year on January 22nd. It is one of the biggest celebrations in their calendar year, and normally it involves Wisconsin ginseng. Stephanie Hoff's going to bring us that story as well. When you need accurate insights to make informed decisions on your dairy, you need Affy Milk. With Affy Milk, you can know what's happening with your cows, when there's a problem, and when used with Affy Farm herd management software, they can even help identify what the problem is, which helps you manage it quicker. From analyzing components to finding sick cows, rely on Affy Milk solutions to help you increase performance and profitability. Learn more at affymilk.com. Growth management, not supply management. That's the ultimate goal of the Dairy Together program of the Wisconsin Farmers Union. Bob Bosold here at the northern end of the world's longest barn. And Charity, you had a chance to talk to some of those Farmers Union folks about that dairy program and what they want to see happen in dairy. That's right, Bob. And their big conversations right now are actually about the 2023 Farm Bill, as it presents a critical opportunity to revitalize the dairy industry after years of depressed milk prices and record farm loss. I'm Charity Seebecker from the southern end of the world's longest barn in Madison. The Dairy Together Coalition of Farmers and Industry Stakeholders is advocating for the Dairy Revitalization Plan. Bobby Wilson, the Wisconsin Farmers Union Dairy Together Program Coordinator, shares more about what the plan is and how it's going to help create a viable industry moving forward. The Dairy Revitalization Plan is a proposal for a national dairy growth management program that essentially just coordinates the growth in milk production among all dairy farmers so that we can stabilize milk prices and improve those prices for everybody in the industry. How does that help create a viable industry, that revitalization plan? And secondly, what does a viable industry even look like? I'm sure it probably changes depending on who you're talking to. Yeah, I'm sure different people have different ideas of what a 
viable industry looks like. But I think for us at Wisconsin Farmers Union and through this Dairy Together project, we see a viable dairy industry as one that has stability and profitability for family farmers. And when I say stability, I mean stability in the number of farmers who are participating. And that's not what we're seeing right now. We've been seeing years of record farm loss, up to 10% of our dairy farms going out of business in a single year. That to us is not an indication of a viable or resilient dairy industry. And that's something that we want to change through this dairy revitalization plan. We want to make sure that farmers have more money in their pockets, more money to spend in their rural communities, that they can actually make a living doing the thing that they love. And in addition to the impact on farmers, we feel there's a real social benefit to creating better stability in the industry for environmental reasons, conservation reasons, for the impact on rural economies, for our food security. Because right now, as these farms are going out of business and the farms that are left are getting much bigger, what we see is fewer farms of much larger size spread out further across the country. And that puts us in a really risky position when it comes to food security or biosecurity risks. If there's a disease outbreak on a very large farm and that represents a large percentage of total milk production, that is a major risk that we're taking to food production. And coming out of the COVID-19 pandemic, we saw what happens when we have a highly consolidated agricultural industry and there's some sort of a shock to that system. That's what causes empty shelves in the grocery store. That's what creates these supply chain disruptions that we saw during COVID. And we feel that taking a lesson from COVID and taking steps now to diversify food production and processing in more places across the country will put us in a better position if and when another shock to the system comes along down the road. So what is the goal of this plan? I know you kind of touched on that, but what are the goals specifically to moving forward that you guys have set? And what do the steps look like to be able to accomplish them? Well, the overall goal is to include a growth management program in the 2023 Farm Bill. And we're using the Dairy Revitalization Plan as an example of how growth management could work in the United States. This has been developed over a long process. There was a committee that was convened by the University of Wisconsin Center for Integrated Agricultural Systems that really pulled together the people and the uh, economists to look at this proposal and to dial in some of the details of what this could look like. So now what we have is a proposal that has an economic analysis that shows that it would improve prices, it would improve net farm operating income for farmers of all sizes, and it would reduce government expenditures because farmers would be getting a fair price from the marketplace rather than needing to rely so heavily on programs like dairy margin coverage, for example. So the goal is really to include this in the farm bill. We're not saying that we need to replace risk management programs like DMC, but it would save a lot of money on those programs. And, you know, there are other options that could work too, but we're putting this forward as our best idea of what could work to bring better balance and stability in the industry. And uh, we hope that legislators will take this seriously. I also just want to mention that in 2014, there was significant effort put into uh, including a growth management program in the farm bill, and we didn't do it, couldn't get it through. And what happened the year after? The price bottomed out, and we entered a five-year dairy crisis. That is what sparked this whole Dairy Together project that we've been working on in the first place. We had five years of depressed milk prices, accelerated rates of farm loss, and right now milk prices are a little bit better, but I believe that if we let the 2023 Farm Bill pass us by without taking action, we are walking directly into another dairy crisis, and we will be kicking ourselves for not learning our lesson in 2014. So speaking of legislature, what are you hearing for feedback from them? Does this plan have their support? Now, obviously, it's a long year ahead to get to that point to actually having it put into the 2023 Farm Bill, but what are your steps and what does that feedback look like? I will say that when we first started this 
project in 2018, supply management was mostly the term that was being used, and it was kind of a dirty word. It was hard to talk about in the industry. It was hard to talk about with members of Congress. Dairy was kind of this hot potato that nobody really wanted to touch because it was complicated. It was controversial. But now, I think because of the lessons that we've learned with COVID, because of what we've seen with consolidation in the beef industry and elsewhere in other agricultural sectors, this makes sense now, that there's something to connect it to, that this is part of what we should be doing to create a more stable and resilient industry across all of agriculture. So I will say that it is much easier to talk about this. It makes sense to people and that we're seeing a lot more support in Congress than we ever have before. But we need more of that and we need more champions both within the industry and in Congress to step up and say, we know we have the research that shows that this will benefit dairy farmers, it'll benefit the industry overall, and to push this thing forward. That's really what we need to do next. Can you talk about what trends or past things happened that made this such an issue? One thing that's happening is the prices, both low prices and prices that fluctuate wildly that make it really difficult for dairy farmers to manage their business and plan ahead. I mean, when you look at the milk prices that farmers have received over the last 10 years, they swing wildly from as much as $26 down to $13. And if you can imagine any other job where it would be the case, where you would go to work every day doing the exact same job, and some years you make $15 an hour and some years you make 7 that would never work. Nobody would accept that. But yet that's what dairy farmers have been going through for decades now. And that's really what needs to change. That's a big part of this issue. And the result of it is rapid consolidation. There's a 2020 USDA report called Consolidation in the Dairy Industry that shows that the rate of consolidation in dairy significantly outpaces that in other agricultural sectors. So that's where the fight is right now. Dairy farmers are really teetering on the edge. And the 2023 Farm Bill could make or break what the future of the dairy industry looks like in the United States. And I guess that's really the question for all of us is what kind of future do we want to see? Do we want to live in a world where we have just a handful of extremely large farms that are producing all of our milk? Or do we want to have a diversified network of farms that are operating at different scales of production using different techniques, different methods, and providing food closer to those points where the food is actually being processed and consumed? And I think that that second option puts us in a much stronger position than the first option. A lot of co-ops are already handling some of these issues on their own. Why is it needed for you guys to step up and take this to the national level versus co-ops just handling it on their own? I think that the cooperatives that market milk in the United States are recognizing the uh, the benefits of managing the growth within their individual co-ops and they've been implementing two-tiered pricing systems or base excess plans to help curb some of the overproduction or overcapacity in milk within their own plants. And that's great. The problem with that is that it's happening in kind of a a piecemeal fashion where some co-ops in some parts of the country are limiting their members' milk and other places they're ramping it up. So the ones that are ramping it up are kind of neutralizing any sort of possible price benefit that would come from limiting or holding back on some of that overproduction. So with a national program, we have everybody playing by the same rules, everyone participating in the program. And if we are coordinating among all dairy producers, that's what it takes to elevate the prices that are paid to everybody rather than it being co-op by co-op. It also takes the heat off the cooperatives. They don't have to be the ones
brands that are telling their members that they won't accept their milk or that they'll pay them a much lesser price for any excess production. So it creates a little bit more fairness. Everybody's under the same program and participating in the same rules and getting the benefit of a higher price. That was Bobby Wilson, the Dairy Together Program Coordinator for the Wisconsin Farmers Union. You can learn more about the Dairy Revitalization Plan in the Dairy Together Program by going to dairytogether.com. From the southern end of the world's longest barn in Madison, I'm Charity Seebecker. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. My partners had told me I should get my knee replaced. I was in my 40s, and I decided that I wouldn't do that. That's orthopedic surgeon Dr. John Herzog, who found regenerative medicine years ago and became a believer. It changed my life around. It improved me to a point where I was able to jog again. That's when Dr. Herzog switched his focus from surgery to helping his patients with natural biologics. I've treated at least 5,000 patients. I believe your body has everything it needs to heal itself. Today, you'll find Dr. Herzog at QC the nation's leader in this exciting field of medicine that can give lasting pain relief with no downtime, no drugs, and no surgery. I have patients coming up to me that I did 10 years ago saying, you know, Doc, my elbow's still working great. I'm playing tennis three days a week. Call QC Kinetics now to explore alternative ways to deal with your pain. It's a free consultation. Call QC Kinetics, 608-319-1750. That's 608-319-1750. 608-319-1750. Legacy Exteriors. Just pick up the phone and let us leave a legacy on your home. Roofing windows, gutters, siding, and decks. Can Legacy do it? You bet. Better prices, better warranties. Legacy always makes it easy. Go to Legacy-Exteriors.com. Legacy Exteriors. Pick up the phone and let us leave a legacy on your home. You're worth so much more. Have you ever had the choice to accumulate wealth or go into debt? Let's play Would You Rather. Would you rather have $190,000 in total compensation or be $29,000 in debt? That's the choice between paying for a bachelor's degree that might not even land you a job or an apprenticeship with Liuna that will lead to job security, a pension, stability, and a lifetime of great wages. You're worth so much more. Go to liunawisconsin.org join to learn how to accumulate wealth instead of debt. This is the Midwest Farm Report. From I'm playing that this morning primarily because the Wisconsin Fair Association's annual convention's underway up in Wisconsin Dells. Glad you're along with us, everybody. Fabulous farm babe, Pam Yankee. Happy to be joined by our friend Stumach, ag meteorologist. And I tell you what, people say, you know, well, why, you know, you get so excited about this convention? One of the reasons is it's the only convention I go to where you've got, uh, what do they call those guys, that are unicycle guys zooming around? Um, really? A guy using balloons and folding them into animals and all kinds of different stuff. These are these are some of the acts you typically see at a county fair, and they're auditioning up in the Dells for all of the county fair board members. And it is just a hoot. I mean, the energy, everybody's smiling. You know, I guess it's as close as we get 
to the county fair atmosphere indoors at this time of the year as you're going to get. And it goes right on through Wednesday night. So plenty more fun on the way. It sounds like it to me. That's the fun of the county fair. Yeah, huh. it is. It is. And, you know, you don't necessarily think about it when you're at the fair. But these folks that are up there in the Dells, and obviously there's they're shuttling in, they're shuttling out, you know, they're kind of sharing duties. But uh, they put in a lot of work to make sure they're making right decisions on tractor pulls and who are we going to have as main stage act. So that's what's going on. Anyhow, we'll have more stories from the Wisconsin Fair Association Convention later this morning and for the rest of the week. You know, for people that are heading to the Dells or really anybody that's got to be outside, Stu, I can't come up with a big reason to complain about these temperatures. I mean, maybe we're missing the sunshine, but the temperatures are fairly manageable. Yeah, the temps are pretty mild. They're on the above-normal side, Pam. A little shot of precipitation now and again. That's going to be the one we have to watch. Nothing too heavy. I mean, there's not a huge storm. We're not going to be snowed in or iced in or anything like that. But there may be a little period of some light snow, some freezing drizzle. Could make it a little slippery. Other than that, it sounds pretty fine here in the second week of January. We need to talk about a weak system trying to build in from the west already today with a little front kind of waving across southern Wisconsin. The only precipitation to report, the weather radar indicating right along the lake shore. Over near Oostburg, down toward Milwaukee, there's a little light rain this morning. Beyond that, things are pretty dry all over, but there is a little fog, and that could, of course, freeze on here and there. That's the one we have to watch out. There will be several small systems of freight training through from the west. You know, each of these big uh, atmospheric rivers affecting California eventually sends a system that's weakening considerably our way, and each of those little waves may account for another chance of precipitation. Oh, like there could be something again later Wednesday night or into the day Thursday, snow or a mix of precipitation around. The one thing that's going to happen, it stays very mild today, even warmer tomorrow. Unfortunately, we start to cool off again. Oh, still above normal, but getting a little closer to that normal level as we look toward the weekend. I'll have forecast details right after this. Is your crop insurance strategy to just do what you did last year? At Compier Financial, we know how challenging it can be to navigate insurance planning. So we work hard to understand your goals and needs. Let us leverage our exclusive tools and vast experience to develop a strategy that protects your operation. Partner with us today. Give us a call at 844-426-6733 or visit compere.com slash crop insurance. Compere does not provide legal or licensed financial planning services. Compere Financial ACA is an equal opportunity lender and provider. Copyright 2021. All rights reserved. My name is Cameron Olson, owner of Olson Solar Energy. The whole point of a turnkey installation is that you don't have to do anything for this system. We do it all. All the permitting, we do all of the work. Anything that needs to be done to make this system up and running and good, we take care of it for you. It seems like it never fails. I, I get a customer turned online and their solar is producing. Sure enough, that next month they want to show us their bill. Look, zero dollars. Go green, save green at OlsonSolarEnergy.com. All righty, Stu, let's have some more of those weather details. All right, a little patchy fog could freeze on here or there early today. Otherwise, I really expect mostly cloudy skies, maybe a little sunshine around the east for a while. Uh, temps in the mid-30s with the southwest and west winds about 5. Mostly cloudy overnight. Some very patchy drizzle, freezing drizzle, especially in the south and east overnight. 
Otherwise, we drop into the upper 20s. Winds become south at 5. A partly sunny Wednesday. Sounds all right. In fact, upper 30s, maybe a 40 here or there. But the southeast winds become west at 5. It's Wednesday night into Thursday. Some very light snow, maybe a little patchy fog or something like that with it. Uh, cloudy skies Thursday in the lower 30s, maybe 34 at Madison for a warm spot. Northwest winds 5 to 15, gusting to 30. We dry it out, Pam. There's a better chance of a little sun on Friday, very low 30s. Even that still above normal for this time of the year. Yeah, like I said, uh, I'll enjoy every bit of it because, you know, sooner or later that shoe's going to drop. Oh, listen to you, Miss Positive. Well, I was just looking at what California's dealing with. I mean, what are those people to deserve you know, three weeks worth of nonstop rains like that. Uh, but I also, what are they claiming? Some of the reservoirs are up at historic above normal levels all yeah. of a sudden. Yeah, let's see if that changes their drought index come June or something yes. like that, eh? Yep. Yes. All right, dude, we'll catch up with you tomorrow. Thanks. All right, see ya. Stumach, our ag meteorologist with the weather details you're looking for. Again, like he said, we're staying above average as far as our temperatures. That is not a bad way to start out your Tuesday. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. When you need accurate insights to make informed decisions on your dairy, you need Affy Milk. With Affy Milk, you can know what's happening with your cows, when there's a problem, and when used with Affy Farm herd management software, they can even help identify what the problem is, which helps you manage it quicker. From analyzing components to finding sick cows, rely on Affy Milk solutions to help you increase performance and profitability. Learn more at affymilk.com. You know who tells a great story? Our Tom's Auto Center customers, like Blake, who recently gave us a five-star review. It reads, I appreciated the emailed estimate and text message communication about the repairs. Thanks, Blake. Schedule your appointment, tomsautocenter.com. We'll make sure you get five-star service. Tom's Auto Center. Off Highway 51 in McFarland, a stone's throw from McDonald's. Because of you, someone gets to go home instead of working a double. Because of you, call lights will be answered a little bit faster. Because you are the Bright Star in that facility. Bright Star Medical Staffing is looking for caregivers and nurses. Bright Star believes providing the highest quality temporary staff means better care. It's the reason you got into healthcare in the first place. Be the Bright Star in someone's life. Work with Bright Star. Apply today at brightstarjobs.com. Sweeta Metal Roofing customers choose us because they don't want to worry about their roof anymore. There's no curling, it won't blow off, and you won't find granules in your gutters. It's one and done. It is the last roof you'll ever need. I'm Mike. And Mary Sweeta. Enjoy the long-lasting architectural strength and beauty of a Sweeta Metal Roof. S-W-I-T-A MetalRoofing.com Sweeta Metal Roofing, the last roof you'll ever need. Create the floors you love this season with DIY and budget-friendly flooring from Wiseway. With Wiseway Flooring's direction, you'll only need to be moderately handy to accomplish brand new floors. I'm Mike Yenser at Wiseway Flooring, inviting you to visit our showroom in Watertown, Lake Mills, and Economwalk. See how our do-it-yourself products might be the right thing for you. Commercial or residential, the wise have it. Log on to INeedFlooringNow.com. You're no stranger to hard work and eating right, but your abs are more like flaps. 
Carbon World Health offers Emsculpt, an FDA-approved treatment for men who want to transform their physique. One session is equivalent to 20,000 crunches without the painful recovery. Melt fat, build and tone muscle, then start getting the results you're looking for. Emsculpt at Carbon World Health. Learn more at CarbonWorldHealth.com. Rural Mutual is the number one farm insurer in Wisconsin for a good reason. As a company founded by farmers, they understand the ag industry and its challenges. Local agents offer farm families the best advice and personalized coverage. Visit RuralMutual.com to find an agent near you. Rural Mutual Insurance, keeping Wisconsin strong. Huh, nice. Hardwood floor. Or is it? Sounds like a floor. It's not squishy. That's good. Floors aren't supposed to squish. Goes wall to wall, like good floors do. And I'm walking all over it. Usually, a dead giveaway that it's a floor. But it's not a floor. This is a mattress. Charlie Heidel's for 52 days. People like Charlie are scattered all across Dane County. And because the need is there, so are we. This year, we'll supply nearly $400,000 in bedding, furniture, clothing, and household items to people like Charlie. Just one part of the more than $1.4 million in food, shelter, and other goods and services we provide. We're St. Vincent de Paul, helping our neighbors in need. If your walls could talk, what would they say? I have sent children into fits of rage. I am responsible for a child's speech impediment. I am the reason a child can't read. Just because you can't see lead paint doesn't mean it's not on walls, doors, windows, and sills. Today, lead paint poisoning affects over one million children. If your home was built before 1978, log on to leadfreekids.org or call 800-424-LEAD. Brought to you by the Coalition to End Childhood Lead Poisoning, EPA, HUD, and the Ad Council. Out of all of these games that I watched... In a number of them, the commentators brought up the identity of the teams. I watched Saturday afternoon where they were talking about the Kansas City Chiefs taking on the identity of Andy Reid, who just, they're very slick. They're very hungry. They they know what, they're very slick team that knows what they're doing and they execute, uh, execute really well. Then I watched Saturday night and the broadcast brought up how this Tennessee Titans team takes on the identity of their head coach, Mike Vrabel, where he gets more out of less. And you look at that Tennessee Titans team, you're playing freaking Joshua Dobbs. Derrick Henry wasn't 100% all season. You traded away A.J. Brown and Traylon Burks. Your first-round pick was banged up all year. Your offensive line was missing three starters. Your defense had lost a ton of talent. Yet, Mike Vrabel had them on the brink of making the, the playoffs with, with just a shell of what that team was. They talk about his identity. Then I'm sitting there watching some of the other games on Sunday. 
I even flick it on to the FCS game where <laughs> South Dakota State is playing Some North Dakota it. State, and they're talking about the identity of North Dakota State, and I'm sorry, but I don't remember their head coach and how well practically they've been in the championship game like every single year for the last decade. Because identity how is a winner. They know how to run the football. They know that they need to placate to the talent and the athletes on their team. And they went through, you know, Carson Wentz to Trey Lance to Christian Watson last year and on and on and on. And I'm sitting there and as this Packers team is just completely falling apart, I'm sitting asking myself, what is the identity of the Green Bay Packers? What what has the identity of the Green Bay Packers have been? And I go, Thinking to myself, under Mike McCarthy, the identity was basically a high-flying offense that was going to score points and an opportunistic ball-hawking defense, but the defense wasn't necessarily that good. I was trying to come up with what is the identity of the Green Bay Packers with Matt LaFleur as the head coach, and basically the only thing that I could come up with is Aaron Rodgers be an MVP quarterback. Yeah, Like there was nothing else. Like he comes from the Sean Mc, the Sean McVay, Kyle Shanahan trees of of coaching. But what do I know that those two teams did well? I know that those two teams were built around defense, which we think the the Packers have been trying to do here lately. But also on offense, they like to run the football quite a bit, set the tone, and then throw the football off of that. So my my thinking is. The Packers, if they're trying to be built into what the Rams and the 49ers were, because that's the tree of coaching that he came from, you have the running backs. Mm-hmm. You are you are getting better on defense. On paper, the defense has a lot of talent. But, but. when I look at what they have done, I it's like the disconnect has to stop and start with the head coach. Look at the very beginning of the season. Where I think the identity Joe is Barry they're soft because Matt LaFleur is soft. Yeah, they well, Joe Barry, they refused to change any scheme and to make any changes in game. I'm sorry, but after a week or two, don't you think if you're the head coach that you would say something like, it's not that this might change our scheme, but it's we need to change the scheme to win those games? Mm-hmm. Or how about at the beginning of the year, the fact that they didn't realize Keyshawn Nixon was better than Amari Rogers? Yeah. Um, Rich Passaccia brought Keyshawn Nixon to the Green Bay Packers and some other guys because of their special teams prowess and that he had coached them with the Las Vegas Raiders. I don't think it was Rich Passaccia that made them keep Amari Rodgers I don't think so back either. there. And again, it has been said that Matt LaFleur is loyal to a fault. Well, it looks like he was too loyal to a, well, Amari Rodgers returning kicks where that hurt teams. Or how about a Joe Barry and his defense in lack of, in lack of changes? Like, go back through. Do you think that they would be playing this game? For the playoffs, if Joe Barry would have made more adjustments at halftime, I I don't know. Because we know your barn smells like money. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. You know, the temperatures really aren't going to be all that bad this week, but that cloudy overcast business is going to stick around. I don't know about you, but... 
It just seems like days are longer when we can't get even a squeak of sunshine out. That's going to be the case today. More clouds than we saw yesterday, 35. Cloudy tomorrow and 39. Cloudy on Thursday and 34 degrees. Uh, They'll be wrapping up the Wisconsin Fair Association by the time Thursday runs around. Good news is that road conditions, very good for all those folks that are in Wisconsin Dells for that big event. Charity Seebecker is going to join us a couple minutes down the road. She and I were both at the Wisconsin Fair Association event yesterday. She got a chance to catch up with one of our keynote speakers, Jerry App. Stick around, stick around for that. I'm Pam Yankee. Glad you're along with us on this, the 10th day of January. What can I tell you? On this day, back in 1863, the London Underground opened. Uh, the Tube is what they call it. It's the world's oldest underground railway. On this day in 1920, the Treaty of Versailles was so uh, signed, and that essentially ended World War I. The first General Assembly of the United Nations happened on this day back in 1946. 51 nations represented on that date. Uh, one that makes me kind of giggle this morning. On this day in 1865, Mary Ingalls was born in Pepin, Wisconsin. She was the older sister of Laura Ingalls Wilder, author of the Little House series. Uh, after a bout with scarlet fever, Mary went blind in 1879. On November 23, 1881, she enrolled in the College for the Blind in Vinton, Iowa, died in Keystone, South Dakota in 1928. Mary Ingalls, born on this date in Pepin, Wisconsin, back in 1865. The Ingalls family were one of the inspirations for one of our award-winning Everybody Has a Fair Stories announcements yesterday. She was making a pie and thinking about Carolyn Ingalls all through the process. Uh, We'll tell you more about that later this week, but that's why it made me chuckle this morning. I'm P.M. Yonke. Glad you're along with us. All right, so let's talk a little bit more about what's happening as far as on this date in history. Lots of birthdays to recognize today. Happy birthday to singer-songwriter Pat Benatar. Happy birthday to American boxer George Foreman and the English icon Rod Stewart, all celebrating birthdays today. And now you know. Here in the United States, our holidays to a large extent are in the rearview mirror, right? The only thing that's reminding us of the holidays now, maybe the credit card bills that are showing up. But that's not the case everywhere in the world. China, for example, is getting ready to celebrate their new year on January 22nd, and that is a big deal. What you may not realize is one of the very prized presents that you try to give to your elders is a Wisconsin ginseng root. It is sought after when it comes to the New Year's celebrations. But Wisconsin ginseng having a difficult time reaching its number one market. Stephanie Hoff has more. Wisconsin ginseng is facing some challenges getting to its top market, China. Jackie Fett with the Ginseng Board of Wisconsin says one solution the industry is working on is to grow exports in other markets. Traditionally, um, we grow about a million pounds of ginseng here in Wisconsin, and about 85% is exported to the Asian markets, with about 65% being exported to China. But in the last couple of years, those numbers have changed because of the pandemic. No one is allowed to travel. And because of the Chinese tariffs that have been placed on ginseng, the price of ginseng went down. So there is so the exports have actually decreased through the pandemic. So we're doing marketing events to help promote Wisconsin ginseng here in Wisconsin as well as in our overseas markets. 
You mentioned the travel restrictions and tariffs happening over the past couple of years, but then just more recently, we've seen headlines of more COVID lockdowns and some unrest going on in China. Is that also going to throw a wrench into the ginseng trade? I think it could, yes. I think they're still, they want to open, but they're the confidence that they'll be, that they'll stay open, you know, that they won't dial it back again is not probably there for people to, for the consumers and buyers. And plus to get tickets, airline tickets is very expensive right now. And so hopefully once it opens up even more, ticket prices will go down more to normal and people will feel more confident in purchasing those tickets to come here without worrying about, will the restrictions change while I'm gone or while I'm planning to come. So I think there's still a lot of uneasiness and uncertainty. Jackie, can you tell me more about your efforts to expand the market for Wisconsin ginseng? You've lost some of that market share in China due to several challenges, but you said you're also looking at other market opportunities. We just had a a group of people that went to Vietnam, and Vietnam is a, a smaller market for ginseng, but we had a delegation go over there at the beginning of December, and they were just blown away by the amount of younger consumers, especially that were interested in Wisconsin ginseng. The companies over there that are using Wisconsin ginseng are trying to do some really innovative things with the product and not keep it so traditional, um, being sold as wholesale root. They're making new products that are more interesting to the younger audience. And so they came back just really excited about what opportunities may lie in Vietnam. We also, we were lucky enough to receive a DACAP export expansion grant. And so we're going to be using that grant to live stream a seminar in a Chinatown here in the U.S. to our overseas markets, talk about the medical uses, health properties of Wisconsin ginseng to TCM doctors and importers of ginseng in our overseas markets. And so we're hoping that that will be one way we can help expand the word about Wisconsin ginseng. We just held a ginseng celebration in the fall here in Marathon, and we're looking forward to hosting an international ginseng festival later this year in one or two of our overseas markets, um, depending on who's the most open and how accessible that market can be. So we're hoping to do that in the later part of 2023. Jackie Fett says the ginseng board is also in its third year partnering with the Allison Dairyland program, and this is to help promote Wisconsin ginseng to local consumers. For folks who are listening right now and want to get their hands on some homegrown ginseng, Jackie says to head to ginsengboard.com to purchase from a Wisconsin producer. For the Midwest Farm Report, I'm Stephanie Hoff. At Compure Financial, we provide services based on your needs. So whether it's ag lending, crop insurance, or other financial services, or you're seeking industry expertise from a trusted advisor, we're here as a partner and member of your community that is defined by you. Contact your local Compere Financial team at 844-426-6733 or visit compere.com slash you for your lending and other financial needs. Compere Financial is an equal credit opportunity lender and provider. Copyright 2022. All rights reserved. We've got a few more details from the Wisconsin Fair Association convention still coming up this morning, but I did want to congratulate some of the winners that were selected for our Everybody Has a Fair Story campaign. We had more than 40 stories that were submitted from across the state. Congratulations to Linda Degner from Shell Lake. She had a story about shenanigans at the fair that got her the Reserve Grand Champion title. And Melanie Zools from Montello told a wonderful story about uh, grandpa donation in Marquette County. 
They, she was the grand champion. We'll have those stories up for you at MidwestFarmReport.com in the next couple of days. All right, markets this morning in Chicago are under some pressure as far as grain trade is concerned. December corn's down a penny at 589. November beans down four right now at 1388. July wheat's down 11 at 744. Dairy had a big day yesterday. Barrel cheese was up a dime at 182 and a half. 40 pound block cheese was up 14 and a quarter at 219 and three quarters. Double A butter gained three and three quarter cents to 242 a pound. Right now, February milk is up three at 1918 a hundredweight. March milk's up 17 at 1888 a hundredweight. Now, normally we would pivot and visit with our friend John Heinberg, market advisor with Total Farm Marketing out of West Bend, but he's got some family challenges this morning, so we'll catch up with him next week. The good news is plenty to talk about from the Wisconsin Fair Association Convention. One of the keynote speakers yesterday, my friend and a gentleman I deeply admire, Jerry Apps, author of Meet Me on the Midway, all about county fairs. That's coming up next. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. This looks like a car. Has tires, headlights, a hood, windshield wipers. The doors look like car doors. Open like them too. There's a front seat, back seat, steering wheel. 99.9% .9 of the time, this would be a car. But it's not. This is a bedroom. Anita Washington's for five weeks. There are people like Anita all across Dane County. And because the need is there, so are we. This year, we'll provide Anita and other women, children, and men with nearly 20,000 nights of shelter. Just one part of more than $1.4 million in food, clothing, furniture, and other goods and services we provide. We're St. Vincent de Paul, helping our neighbors in need. Let our family help your family. This is Matt Gunderson, and this is Elmer, <laughs> our canine cuddle ambassador, here to provide good-natured, loving, fuzzy support to further our level of personal care. Someday you might meet Elmer as we assist you with an individual life celebration. Let our family help your family. Visit GundersonFH.com. Over 100 years as your hometown life celebration center. Pest control? You've got a guy for that. Car repairs? You probably have a guy for that as well. For someone to custom design a unique piece of jewelry for you, or help your current pieces look sparkling fresh, that needs to be William Thomas Custom Jewelry. Affordable and local. William Thomas Custom Jewelry will help you create a desirable, one-of-a-kind piece that you'll be proud to wear for years to come. William Thomas Custom Jewelry. Your inspiration, your custom jeweler. Roses are red, violets are blue, and you bet she'll be talking farming with you. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. Well, we're sending positive vibes this morning to John Heinberg, market advisor with Total Farm Marketing out of West Bend. Normally, he'd be our Tuesday morning guest, but he's dealing with some family illness. So we wish him the best of luck and hope that the girls get well real soon. So instead, we're going to pivot and focus in on the big event this week, the Wisconsin Fair Association's annual convention that continues through Wednesday evening up in Wisconsin Dells. I was there yesterday with Charity Seebecker 
she got a chance to catch up with one of the keynote speakers. He is our own Jerry Apps. Now, for many of us, we've had the pleasure of getting a chance to visit with Jerry over the course of the years. Some wonderful books that capture uh, the rural lifestyle so many of us enjoyed as kids and are still enjoying today. And that was definitely the case yesterday when he joined the Wisconsin Fair Association to focus in on his new book, Meet Me on the Midway. Charity Seebecker caught up with Jerry Apps and talked more about the book and about how he brought the stories together. Well, I, I started with the idea that I knew a lot about fairs having experienced them as a, an extension agent, as a 4-H agent, as a former fair judge. But I was interested in more than what's happening these days. I was interested in where's the history? How do we find the history? So I began digging out the history of fairs, which took me back to Europe 200 years before Christ. 200 B.C. we had fairs. There not a new idea at all. And at that time, fairs were primarily business affairs where people came to conduct business. And there's a dimension of that that exists to this day. And it wasn't until the Romans took the idea of fairs to Northern Europe that they morphed into what today we would call an agricultural fair. And the people that came from Europe to this country, and that's a lot of them, they brought with them the idea of a fair. And that's how it all got started. In Massachusetts was the very first fair, and the very first fair had but three merino sheep in it. And people came from all over because they did not know what a merino sheep was. They had other sheep, but here they all came to see this guy's three sheep. And that's how it all began. So those are the earliest incarnations of the livestock exhibitors, it sounds like. Can you touch on the transition from then to now? The change in the livestock exhibitors, the numbers, broad range of livestock or grandstand entertainment. There's so many things that have changed over the years. They certainly have. Mind you, the very first fairs were agricultural animals, men. No women were allowed to show anything. No kids, no youth. There wasn't such a thing as youth exhibiting. The first transition, and I don't have the year in mind, I probably have it in the book, women were asked to show some of the things that they were doing at home, quilting and cooking and baking and so on. And then it was in 1914, really, when the Smith-Lever Act was passed by the Congress, creating the county agent system and the 4-H system. That's when we began to see young people really coming into the fairs. And now, as you know, some fairs are only focused on youth fairs. They call themselves 4-H fairs. So it's taken a long time for fairs to transition from just three sheep and men showing animals to now where the exhibits are widely distributed, all kinds of topics from aeronautics to photography to gardening to whatever. You have quite the resume, as you kind of touched on earlier, being a past 4-H leader, extension agent, and so much more. Can you touch on your time in those roles and how it helped you to where you are today to be the author of this book and maybe some of your favorite stories or memories that you have cultivated because of those experiences. Well, I began as an extension agent in 1957 in Green Lake County. I soon learned that one of my jobs would be to help organize the fair. And it was uh, not a large fair. It was at the county garage and the grounds around the garage. And that's where we put together the fair. And it was interesting. Then I moved in 1960 to Green 
Bay. And the Brown County Fair was many times larger. And there I have all kinds of stories. One of the funniest stories, at that time I started doing a lot of TV work. Another farm director said to me, bring along one of the animals that you're going to have at this show uh, that we want to put on TV. And I thought, now what kind of an animal could I bring? And so I agreed because I had known that if you bring a beef steer and the lights go on, the chances of the beef steer going to the, toward the doors are pretty good. But the lamb, I figured that would be a good thing. So I had this little 4-H memory. She had the lamb, and we're on TV. And at that time, Alice in Dairyland just happened to be in town, and she had been invited to come to the fair. And so Alice in Dairyland in those days always wore a fancy formal gown and a corsage. Now here we're at on live television now, and she had apparently no experience with lambs. And so I'm to interview her. And so I'm asking her uh, questions about what's her interest and so on. And she starts petting this lamb. She says, this is the cutest little lamb. And the lamb takes a big bite out of the corsage. Now these famous words, were uttered by the extension agent. That lamb sure has good taste. I mean, the floor crew burst into laughter. The producer couldn't stop laughing. They finally went to a commercial. And forever after, whenever Apps was on TV, everybody would watch. Because what screw-up is he going to do next? In your book, you also feature some other people and their quotes or questions. Can you touch a little bit on that and why you felt that was important in sharing the sure. story of Wisconsin well, I have I have a whole chapter on stories, per se. And one of the themes in the stories happens to be romance. And I was surprised beyond belief as to how many people met their spouse at the fair. One story, this young lady, she was probably in high school, and now this wannabe boyfriend wanted to take her to the movie event, and she said, no, I gotta take care of my calves. And her famous line was, I didn't have time for love, I had to worry about my calf. I have all kinds of stories like that in the, in the, in the chapter on stories. Everybody has a story. Can you touch on the political or social forces over time that have shaped the fair industry into the icon that it is today? Well, there's a certain group of people that would like to believe that because we have only one and a half, two percent of the people living on the land as farmers, why in the world do we need a fair? It's those folks I want to speak to about what fairs have transitioned into and why they are so important today as a way of helping those who don't know understand that rural America is still alive and well and it needs a spokesperson and the county fair and the state fair is the most interesting, subtle spokesperson you could ever find because you are learning about rural life without knowing it. When you come from Chicago or Milwaukee or wherever you might be living, you go in the cattle barn and you see the kids with the animals and you see a relationship that doesn't make sense to you until you begin to understand that there is a relationship that these kids have drawn with their animals. They've spent the summer teaching the critter how to lead, for example. And nowhere in the history of education is there anything more important in learning than the 4-H model, learning by doing. Once again, that was Jerry Apps, author of Meet Me on the Midway. This is Charity Seebecker from the Midwest Farm Report, reporting live from the Wisconsin Association of Fairs Convention. This is the 